It is Tech Tag Radio. We are presented by David Gardner Schulers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Uh, waiting on Phil Skill to join the show. I'll have to shoot him an email here. Uh, he should be calling here in a moment, so I'll give him a second to, to be a part of the show. As a reminder, next week we are at SEC Media Days. This is the crew that I know that is going. I'll be there. Olin Buchanan will be there. Billy Lucci will be there. Dalton Hughes will be there. Jamie Murray's going to be there. Richard Zane's going to be there. What a pack. We bring the heat, Texas Ducks. I, I got to give us some props. We do not mess around when it comes to traveling um, to the big events, and it's, uh, it's going to be fun to be out there. Last year was my first time. We went to Hoover. This year is in Atlanta. And uh, our SEC Media Road Days are brought to you by Wings and More. Um, they got that express location in Conroe. Uh, but we all, of course, know the one uh, on University Drive. But they got the one on Highway 105, three miles west of 45. So uh, looking forward to talking SEC stuff. But right now, let's turn our attention to what's happening, what's going to happen on the field. I always look forward to uh, having Phil Steele on the show. He joined us last year, obviously, um, known as one of the best football analysts in the entire country, home of the Phil Steele College Football Preview, voter on 20 college football awards, including the Heisman, uh, former ESPN insider. You can get uh, the new magazine at uh, Barnes & Noble or philsteele.com. We go to the BCS I hotline. We are joined by Phil Good morning, Phil. How are you doing, sir? You know, I'm doing great, David. How about yourself this morning? Doing wonderful, man. It's um, it's great to be talking real football here, not just the conference realignment stuff and some of the drama that we've seen this year. So let's get right in into it. I, I'm intrigued by the idea of how you put this together because I know it's not like like there's I, I've heard you mentioned before, but there's like three pro, three layers to putting the magazine together. Correct. Yeah, it's a, it's a three-right-through process. The first one is uh, post-spring, or excuse me, post-season. And what I do there is read through every article that's written about the team for the entire year so I get everything in my head, exactly how they fared and the, what the injuries affected what position and which positions came on strong, which positions faded. And then I do my first right-through process. The second one is pre-spring. And that's when we get everybody's roster. You get some players leaving. The transfer portal, naturally, you get a lot of players leaving. You add in a lot of true freshmen who signed what class, and you factor all that into it. And then the third one is after talking to the coaches. And uh, when I talk to the coaches, it's generally about an hour-long conversation. We go through every player on the team. They put me in the right order, tell me their feelings on each position, and then I go ahead and adjust everything in the magazine, especially the two-deep and three-deep. Well, it's actually about a four-deep in the magazine, and then go through the process. And to give an example of how it works, uh, this year, USC, my postseason right-through for USC, they were a 4-8 and eight team. Yes, they had Lincoln Valley, but they lost a lot. Only had about 11 returning starters coming in. I wasn't super high in USC. Had a middle of the road in the, uh, the Pac-12 this year. And then they started adding some key players to the transfer portal. And finally, after I talked to Coach Lincoln Riley, uh, in the write-up, they had just got Jordan Addison added to him, along with, of course, Caleb Williams as quarterback, Mario Williams as wide receiver, Travis Dye, a 1,000-yard rusher from Oklahoma or from Oregon. Uh, the offensive line, Coach Riley told me he, was, he really liked the top-end experience he inherited, didn't expect that much talent. And defensively, they added about 12 transfers, including a couple of super ones, and, and like Shane Lee, who started at Alabama, and quarterback, uh, cornerback Makai Blackman coming in. And all of a sudden, USC elevated all the way up to my number one most improved team in the country and a team that's uh, my number two surprise team, as I think they go from 4-8 and eight to double-digit wins this year. 
That's a very interesting thing. And and Phil, I, I got to follow that up. It's got to make your job a little bit more difficult, but also like the easier for these new coaches with this new world we live in, with NIL and transfer happening at the same time. Um, a, a first year coach can really change his his future very quickly, as opposed to what would take a few years to kind of develop. Yeah, absolutely. If USC didn't have the transfer portal this year, I probably would have had them for about maybe six, possibly seven wins. Uh, let me give me give me another prime example of what you speak of there, and that would be Georgia Southern. Uh, Georgia Southern generally, when you switch from an option to a pass offense, I mean, we're talking about a three to four year process. I've been doing this magazine for twenty eight years, and generally, it doesn't bode well for a team. Your offensive linemen were recruited to be pass blockers in the option. Your receivers are generally more known for uh, blocking, and your quarterbacks are all run-ability quarterbacks as opposed to passing. And what Clay Helton is doing here, he is legitimately taking his team from the option to a pass offense. In fact, it's more of a Texas Tech-style pass offense, but he brings in a quarterback in Kyle Van Trees from Buffalo, who's a throwing quarterback. The offensive line went heavy on the transfer portal, and the, the thing that stood out to me when I talked to Coach Helton was he was generally pleased, very pleased, with the three receivers he inherited in Hood, Jones, and Burgess. Felt that they were all capable of playing him for him wherever he was a receiver. So with that, and the multitude of players they brought in for the portal, as opposed to predicting maybe a one-win season for Georgia Southern, I think they'll, they'll fare much better this year. Phil, um, how honest are these coaches when you talk to them? Because, you know, we go to these events and coaches will tell you, yeah, our quarterback's going to be great, our offensive line's going to be great. Do they Are they pretty honest with you off the record, and do they shed some light on their opponents as well? Yes, absolutely. And that, that's the reason I talk to the coaches. There have been coaches before, uh, and I'm not going to name names or anything, but there have been coaches that gave me very much coach speak or what you get at a media event. And I don't even feel the need to talk to those coaches again the next year because you're not going to get anything out of it. But the majority of the coaches, uh, they pretty much tell what it is. And they know everything's off the record. So they can say, you know, uh, I've had, I had one coach tell me about a star left tackle. That eight holes never going to see the field. And you know, I just ended up putting them second or third string on my list as opposed to, you know, uh, saying something bad about them in the magazine. But they know they can say anything to me off the record. And I would say, 90 to 95% of them are very honest about uh, not only each player on the team, but the uh, the positions as well. Is it fair to say you're high on the Aggies, but you're going to be higher on them next year? Yes, very much so. Uh, you know, going over the team with Coach Fisher, every time we finished a position, I'm like, uh, it, it almost seemed like it was, wow, this team is going to be really, really, really good this year. In fact, I'm circling them right now as a potential number one team in the country next season. Fisher, Coach Fisher's doing a tremendous job recruiting uh, uh, players. It, this year's team is young. That's the only thing that's going against them. You look at the defensive line, they lose all four starters. The linebacker and crew loses the majority of it. But going through the team, you get to the third string, and you're like, wow, there is talent here. They also have to play Bama on the road this season as opposed to next year when they get Bama at home which I think could be a big thing. But this is a, a young team that may go through a few growing pains. This is a very talented Texas A&M team that even as young as they are, if they can adapt quickly, I think they're a legitimate national title contender. And I am super high on the Aggies next year. Yeah, and I look at their schedule, and I know it's the SEC West, and every team is really good at the S- in the SEC West. Uh, even the bad team is good. But 
They all have questions too, right, Phil? Like if you look at all these teams, Ole Miss has got questions at quarterback. You, you look at Arkansas, they lost um, not only their best receiver, but a lot on the defensive side. Every team has got questions, so it's who matures the quickest. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head. I mean, you know, first of all, while they have questions, the West is clearly the strongest division in college football. And I got to be honest with you, David, you know, I reached my the second right through process, which is in March, and uh, I'm ranking my SEC West. And I've got number one, Alabama, number two, Texas A&M. And then I went with, you know what, I'm going to put a five-way tie for third. <laughs> you know, it's tough to come up with any of those teams to pick them third or to pick them last. And it, it was extremely tough. The final process, I had to pick two teams at the bottom, at six, tied for sixth. One was Mississippi State, and they're only down there because they play the toughest schedule. It's brutal. And then the other one is LSU just because they have so much transition. But I could make a case for any of those teams finishing third or finishing at the bottom of the division. So you, I think you hit it right on the head. There are questions with those teams, and while they're all very talented, I think A&M's still a step ahead of them. In fact, I've got A&M favored, straight-out favored, in 10 of their 12 games this year. The only ones I don't are at Alabama, and I rate the Auburn game a toss-up game uh, on November the 12th. But other than that, I've got them favored in all their games. Okay, so i got to ask you about Auburn because I see them as a team that not only only lost, uh, almost lost their head coach, uh, quarterbacks that are unproven. I know T.J. Finley's played, but Zach Calzada, uh, we saw him up close. It, it, he, he didn't have a phenomenal year um, if he's the guy. I, I know they have the, the backfield, but I, I struggle to see them being very good. Where do you see them good? Yeah, I think Auburn, when the SEC media days rolls around, might be picked seventh in the division. However... Like I said, I've been doing this for 28 years, and a lot of folks were saying, oh, my goodness, there's something wrong at Auburn. you got everybody jumping ship. Everybody's leaving. That's a bad thing for Auburn. I see it the other way. I've seen a lot of head coaches come in and say, look, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here, but the players that stay are bought in, and I think that's the case with Auburn. And as much as Auburn lost their last five games last year, wouldn't the way you look at Auburn be a lot different had they held on and beat Alabama in that season final? I mean, they deserved to win that game. They led the entire game, gave up a late score, and then ended up uh, losing it in overtime, uh, four overtimes as it was. Had they won that game, there wouldn't be that many questions. I think this is a team that's bought in for Auburn. They've got the defense. Uh, when you take a look at them, they've got my number nine rated defensive line, number 21 set of linebackers. They've got a strong offensive line. Quarterback is a question for me, but the Auburn quarterback doesn't have to throw for 4,000 yards for them to be successful, not with Bigsby and Hunter in the backfield and a very strong offensive line. So I think Auburn's going to surprise a lot of folks and finish higher than most expect. And as opposed to all these losses they had in the offseason, I think that's a positive. It was addition by subtraction. The team that's left with Auburn is very bought in. So let me, let me follow that up with another A&M thought because it got me thinking. You made a comment about had they won some of those games. I feel the same way about A&M. The LSU game, I think, was taken from them. Damani Richardson uh, yes. strips that punt, and the game should be over. If they win that game, they're a nine-win team and potentially play in a bowl game. Who knows? The Mississippi State game came down to the last drive. The Arkansas game, they were getting beat up pretty bad, but uh, they did have it within striking distance in the, in the last few minutes of that game. And then the Ole Miss game, they, they uh, throw the pick six. That game, all those games kind of feel similar. Wouldn't A&M's season feel different had the LSU game or the Ole Miss game gone a little bit different? Absolutely. In fact, when that old Miss game was being played, they had a, a legitimate shot at winning uh, the SEC West. Uh, and it had Alabama not got past Auburn, had Texas A&M got past Mississippi, they're the West champs. You know, 
once again, the LSU game, we could look at that thing many times. I thought A&M was a better team that day. Somehow, some way, lost that game. But uh, they still would have been alive in the SEC West uh, chase at that point. So I, I think, yes, we would have looked at the Aggies differently heading into this year. I, I don't look at them differently because I had them higher than everybody else heading in. And like I said, for me, it's Alabama and Texas A&M talent-wise that are the two best teams in the West. Phil, what about over in the East? Uh, it's Georgia. I know they lost a lot of guys, but they just they turn and burn right now. That's where they're at. Uh, is who, Who's the next level of team that could maybe contend? Is it Tennessee that gets a lot of hype? Is it maybe Florida with Billy Napier? Yeah, and, and David, I'll, I'll say this. Last year was an unusual year. And, you know, like this year I talked to 120 of the 131 head coaches. And last year when I talked to the head coaches going over the teams with them, 90% of them came up and said to me, Phil, this is this is way different than ever before. We were able to run three teams in the spring. We've never been this deep. Almost every team in the country had 17, 18, 19, 20 returning starters coming back. The ones that didn't were the powerhouses that lost players to the NFL draft. You look at what happened. Clemson did not even get to the ACC title game. Ohio State did not even get to the Big Ten title game. Oklahoma did not even get to the Big 12 title game. As mentioned, if Alabama had lost that game against Auburn, they might not have got to the SEC West title game. So we saw the powerhouses struggling last year. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Everybody lost players. So while Georgia only has three returning starters in defense, and practically their entire defense units in the NFL, they rotated players a lot, and they had they went two to three deep. I think they're going to be better than expected, and they still have talent up front. Jalen Carter, at nose guard, uh, the Jack linebacker, Nolan Smith. There's talent in the secondary. They're just on the young side. I think Georgia's the clear-cut winner in the East this year. If you're looking for two teams that have an outside shot of competing, it would be the two teams you just touched on, David, which would be Tennessee and Florida. Tennessee's got the offense that can score on anybody. I mean, last year they averaged 39.3 points per game and almost everybody's back. And Florida, I think Napier steps into a good situation. There was a lot going on down the stretch for Florida. Uh, and I think Napier's going to come in, correct that ship. And a, uh, Anthony Richardson, a quarterback, should have a fantastic year. He's got a tremendous arm, dangerous runner, and is a perfect fit for his offense. But to be clear, I like Georgia to win the East, and I don't think it's that close. All right, A&M's got a tough matchup in their third game of the season against a, a reloaded Miami team. How do you see them? Are you buying the hype that they're back? Uh, I do think Mario Cristobal going into Miami is going to help because Mario Cristobal took over at Oregon. When he did, they were more of a finesse team. Uh, but all of a sudden, he turned them into a physical team at the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. And when I went over the team with Coach Cristobal this uh, post-spring, he really likes what he has on both the offensive and defensive line. So they're going to be extremely strong in both areas. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Tyler Van Dyke, and they've got talent at receiver. Uh, this is a very dangerous Miami team for Texas A&M. I have the Aggies still a 10-point favorite. It's early in the Mario Cristobal era. It's going to be tough to be playing 100% early on, and Miami's dropped a lot of big games recently. But the only two games that have them an underdog in all year are at Texas A&M, and at Clemson, I could see them going from seven and five to double-digit wins this year, and they are a dangerous team. What about Clemson? Uh, it, obviously, you said that uh, Miami will not be uh, favored in that one. Does Clemson get back to the Clemson we've seen of the last couple of years? Yeah, the key is going to be quarterback play, David. Uh, you know, when you look at DJ Uyunglele, he's a guy that struggled in the pocket last year, took way too many sacks, also struggled throwing the football, wasn't a perfect fit for the offense, maybe a little 
he wasn't as mobile as he would have liked to have been. Well, this year he dropped 25 to 30 pounds during the offseason. And when I talked to Coach Streeter, the offense coordinator, going over the offense with him, he felt that the emphasis of the spring was telling, getting DJ to get the ball out of his hands and not take so many snacks and felt that he was one of the most improved QBs in the country. Now, they also have Gabe Klubnik behind him, who's number one quarterback out of high school. He was in for the spring and looked good all spring. So I think they've got two quarterbacks. Quarterback play is what really hurt him last year. And if they can take that from being a negative, which it was, to being slightly above positive, they got the number one defensive line in the country, uh, top 10 linebackers, top 10 DBs, much improved offensive line. They've got Shipley, Pace, Mafa back at running back. They could be a very dangerous team. And as, as I mentioned earlier, I think the powers return to being powers this year. The key for Clemson is going to be quarterback play. All right, last thing for you. Let's talk Big 12 for a moment. Uh, a lot of people are buying in on Baylor, but then you've got some of those think that what's going on in Austin will be enough. How do you see the Big 12 playing out? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not discounting Oklahoma. In fact, I've got Oklahoma winning. And uh, when I look at Oklahoma, I know they only have 10 returning starters, five on each side of the ball. But Brett Venables knows defense, and he's got talent to work with on the defensive side. I'm not concerned with their defense this year. I think it'll be better than last year. Offensively, they lose their quarterback, right? Well, Dylan Gabriel had a fantastic year in 2019 at UCF. Guess who his offensive coordinator was that year? Hmm. Jeff Levy. And who's his offensive coordinator now? Jeff Levy. So Dylan Gabriel slides right into an offense that he already knows. They have an offensive line under Bill Bedma that's always a Joe Moore Award candidate. And I think they're one of the top offensive lines in the country this year. I rate them number eight coming in. And there's plenty of talent at the skill positions. Now, last year, Oklahoma lost two games. They lost at Baylor, and they lost at Oklahoma State. Well, last year, Baylor and Oklahoma State had both practically had their entire teams back and both got Oklahoma at home, and both were close games. This year, Oklahoma is on equal footing with them. They all lost a lot from last year, and yet Oklahoma gets those two key games at home, and the fact they get those games at home has me calling for Oklahoma winning the Big 12 this year. That is Phil Steele. Check out his great work at philsteele.com and get the uh, college football preview at Barnes & Noble or philsteele.com. Phil, thanks so much for your time. Let's do it again. Hey, always a lot of fun talking football with you, David. Thank you so much, Phil. Take care. Have a great one. Uh, Phil Steele on the BCSI hotline. Appreciate his time. Uh, I see some text messages we'll unpack on the other side of the break. Uh, the Auburn thing has caught some of your, your attention. I get it. Uh, we'll, we can talk about that and much, much more. But right now, we are talking Costa Vida. Hopefully, I'll be able to meet up with you guys on Wednesday. They're going to be having their Costaversary. I'm going to head out there. A lot of the Texas staff heading out there on Wednesday for lunch. Uh, hopefully, you can join us and be a part of their two-year Costaversary. It's all week long, so you don't have to mark your calendars. Just go be a part of it right now. July 14th is the two-year anniversary, but they got stuff all week starting today. Monday and Tuesday, you get your two breakfast tacos, get one free. That is great. On Wednesday, bring uh, two uh, two can good uh, donations and a free chips and queso. On Thursday, that's the Costaversary that we'll be at. Excuse me, Thursday, $2 off of your regular size entree all day, the Costaversary on Thursday. And on Friday and Saturday, you got all-day happy hour. Buy two alcoholic beverages and get a free appetizer. And on Sunday, for every family pack, get a free cookie 
per person. Promo is not available for online or third-party purchase out there. But remember, on Thursday, a lot of us here from Texags are going to be there at Costa Vida for the Costaversary. Uh, can't wait to hang out with Holly and the entire gang there at Costa Vida with their Baja-inspired Mexican food, Fresh Mex Major Way. It is in South College Station, Aggie-owned operated, 4501 Mills Park Circle in College Station. It's Costa Vida with the Costaversary. All right, we're back. Tech Radio presented by David Gardner Jones here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Reminder, Wings and More SEC Media Days next week. Uh, thank you to them sending us out there to uh, do the show. We're looking forward to it. It'll be good times had by all. So we just had Phil Steele on, and some people were commenting on some of the comments he made. By the way, I think he, he was very fair with Texas A&M. Um, he thinks they're going to be pretty good this year, and if quarterback play is great, they could be really, really good. He thinks next year's the year to uh, circle on your calendar. And look. People have opinions. People do their due diligence. They have the research, and he 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 was pretty high on um, what do you call it on on Auburn, and uh, I'm not so high on Auburn. He's been doing it for a long time. He's got his reasons for it, and as Ob has said many times on this show, Auburn has been a train wreck uh, when you think they're going to be good, and they've been uh, pretty. Uh, Vice versa. They've been really good when you thought they were going to be bad. So we'll see how things play out. We go to the news and the social center. Tomas Romo. Tomas, como estas? I feel like it's only fitting I read this text message from Spencer in Denver. He says, it's official. Phil Steele is a genius. He can see through the fog of media bias. There's only three coaches that would trade rosters with A&M right now. Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. College football playoff. Book it. Uh, well, I'm not ready to book anything. Look. No. I'm not going to put maroon goggles on to make everybody happy. I, is it possible? Absolutely it's possible. I told you this team should win 10 games this year. Is it possible? Absolutely. I, everything to me comes back. There's a couple things it comes down to. But the most important thing is, is Haynes or is Max or is Con? Are they, are they the guy? Are they Heisman-esque level quarterback play at that position? Are they better than what we had last year? Okay. Well, then we've lost some areas, too. we got more talent, but younger talent. But i, I got to see quarterback play for me to be all, all in. If we get the quarterback play that we thought we were going to get from Haynes last year, then yeah, I'm, I'm ready to say let's go. Book it. I don't know why I had an accent there when I said book it. I was, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, book it. <laughs> why are we booking it? All right, what else you got, Tomas? Last one here from Brandon College Station. Yeah, Auburn's a toss-up. They will not be better this year than they were last year, and we handled them pretty well, and this A&M defense is flying well under under the radar and will dominate that Auburn offense this season. Look, I I think so. I, mean, I think Auburn's going to be terrible. I do. Um, TJ Finley does, does nothing for me. I don't know how Zach is doing out there. I hope he does well, except when he takes on Texas A&M, but like, I, I just don't think they're going to be good. And they're looking for a reason to get rid of Brian Harson ASAP. So, no. Um, if they are, unless they're a 10-win team, they're not good. Right? I think they're going to be 7-6-win team. Uh, you know, I, I know they got some talent. Of course, they're Auburn and playing on the road is tough, but no, I, I don't buy that at all. Spencer and Denver does add a little bit. All three are better, and, and two of them are going to be backups. Think about that. Oh, there is no doubt about it. Our quarterback play is going to be better this year than it was last year. But what kind of level of better? You know, there are levels to this, right? If we're talking, like, I was going through some plays with OB before the show, and a couple of the sacks that uh, Zach had last year just it was on him. Either his legs kind of you know got wobbly and couldn't you know get through uh, when he was scrambling, he'd fall, or he'd just hold onto the ball too long, or. 
you know, move out of the pocket in the wrong spot. There was a lot of that happening. I, I think having, let's just, for instance, use Haynes there, his ability to run. And remember, Zach was hurt, too. I mean, he, he had a knee issue. But with Haynes out there, um, his ability to get you first downs, I think A-Chain's ability to do the A-Chain thing more often be the guy. Um, I, I, I do think that the offense is going to be better for that. But I still need to see it before I'm, I'm, I'm booking any kind of college football playoff uh, ticket. I don't think Billy and Brandon want me booking you know, bowl games right now, today. You know, they, Let's play things out and, and see how we go. Right now, a moment for Caldwell Country Chevrolet Highway 21 and Caldwell online at caldwellcountrychevrolet.com. So uh, we told you that we got a Chevy Tahoe from Zach Hester and his people the other day, a couple weeks back now. And one, one of the beauties of it is so that car was left in the heat while we were gone. And uh, we got in the vehicle, and uh, it was so hot, as you can imagine. But that air conditioner, like a, these newer cars, like the way those seat warmers or coolers, whatever you want to call it, um, it cooled up. And it was fantastic, like how quickly it, it cooled up and uh, cooled down, I should say, not cooled up. But you, you get what I'm saying. That's not the reason to go to Caldwell Country, but it is a you know, fact of the matter. When you're getting a new vehicle, these little upgrades that they have out there is fantastic. Price-wise, Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Customer service-wise, Caldwell Country Chevrolet. All those reasons are the reason you should check out Caldwell Country Chevrolet. 15-minute drive by to Caldwell, short conversation away, but you'll see the difference when you step on the lot and do business with Zach and the fellows there at Caldwell Country. Caldwell Country Chevrolet, Highway 21 in Caldwell. Online at CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com. All right, we're back. Next Ag Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We're here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Uh, turning our attention here in, what, I'll be leaving for Atlanta in just a few days, we'll leave on Sunday, uh, not a few days, but the end of the week or the beginning of the next week. I don't know how to speak English. I just do it sometimes. But uh, we're heading out to the ATL for SEC Media Days, and that is brought to you by Wings and More, Aggieland's favorite wings. They got burgers, they got ribs, they got chicken tenders, they got seafood. They're voted the best wings in the Brazos Valley. It is Wings and More on University Drive. Um, thank you to them for sending us out there to the ATL. Looking forward to that. Let's right now go to the owner of 440 Sports, host on ESPN Radio, Athlon Sports, board member of Our Kids Tennessee. He is Braden Gall, joining us here on the BCSI Hotline. Braden, good morning, man. How you doing? Doing well. How are you, bud? Doing good, man. Uh, you looking forward to the next week's SEC Media Days? You going to head out there? <laughs> I mean, the, the restaurants in Atlanta are extremely underrated um and as a guy who loves whiskey and food um yeah i'm looking forward to it i don't know what we're going to learn about football i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of questions about things that we haven't talked about at all over the last 18 months expansion name image and likeness transfer portal all that stuff i'm sure that's going to be just so much fun to deal with but no the the restaurants in atlanta are spectacular so there's that yeah i'm looking forward to it man and honestly like it's for me it's there's been so much drama this offseason and so much change in college football. We're going to be talking about that next week, and I know the Jimbo stuff will come up with, with Saban and expansion and all that, but we're starting to talk about real football out there, and I think that's kind of like, hey, how's Haynes King going to be a quarterback, and how's this going to play out, and is Georgia going to be able to reload like they did in years past? Like Those are all, we're back to getting to that as well. Wait, did something uh, happen with Jimbo Fisher that I missed? Like, Is there something that, that took place this offseason? <laughs> I, look, I actually think, in all seriousness, I think this could be one of the most interesting and exciting SEC seasons we've ever seen. And maybe not at the very, very top with Bama and Georgia, because we feel like those are going to be overwhelming picks to win divisions next week. 
Um, that's what we got in Athlon Sports in our magazine, of course. That's what I would pick personally. That's what Vegas is picking. I mean, we all kind of agree those are the two teams to beat. And so maybe that's not as super exciting as, as we think. I think Georgia, by the you know, should be a ten point favorite, but in almost every game they play, maybe maybe the Mississippi State road game late in the year. But I, I think after that, with Texas A and M leading the charge on the second quote unquote second tier, whatever you want to call it, like all the way down to. South Carolina and Auburn at like 12 and 13 or 11 and 12 in the conference. Like I, like every team in there is a bowl team. Every team in there could have a winning record. Every team's got a pretty interesting or very talented returning starting quarterback or an interesting quarterback battle. Like it, it I think it's going to be the middle class of this conference, upper middle class of this conference has never been healthier. Have you ever seen a fan base? Have you ever seen a time in the SEC going into media days where every fan base was happy? with the exception of Auburn and Auburn doesn't really count because they're Auburn. So like every single fan base is like satisfied with their program right now in terms of where they are. And I don't, I don't, I've done, I've done this for 20 years. I can't remember that ever happening in the SEC. So back to the expansion talk, I'm kind of split about this future of college football rating because there's a part of me that's like, all right, I want to see how things play out because I'm kind of intrigued by the Super League. Maybe it's 40 teams, whatever it may be. And there's an, another part of me is like, I kind of like the way it used to be. So like, yeah. I, I want to see it, but I also am, am split a little bit on it. H- how, how do you see these things playing out, though, over the next 12 months? Because the big bombshell last year was Texas and OU. Now we've right. had the uh, UCLA-USC. What's going to happen next? So a re- really good buddy of mine, um, I'm, I'm going to steal his analogy. Steve Lehman is a local newscaster here in, in Nashville. And he said, and this is, this is I'll, I'll land this. You'll see where I'm going with this because I, I, I am concerned about consolidation at the top and the economics of it. Like uh, me personally, am I ever going to not watch big SEC and big 10 games because they happen to have 24 teams in their league and they've broken away from the NCAA. Like I'm not going to not watch those games. They're, they're, they're it's, it's my favorite sport. The SEC is the best conference. I'm going to watch games no matter what. I'm also the weird, twisted, you know, knucklehead who wants to watch like BYU Utah at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night because I love all aspects of college football, the ones that lead to championships and the games that, you know, it's just bragging rights in state or whatever. Like I, that's I love everything about college football, so I'm never going to not watch that. I'm curious, and this again, this goes. This is the analogy that that my buddy gave me. He said, "Listen, if you." If you owned every single night of, of the calendar year in your Major League Baseball, do you put on a different game, the best game every single night, or do you put on Yankees-Red Sox, and which one gets better ratings? And while we might get bored with Yankees-Red Sox, I, I bet you at the end of the year, Yankees-Red Sox still probably has better ratings than if you're putting on sort of a quote-unquote game of the night. And I think that's sort of the analogy we're looking at here. Like, on, on you know, with the three or four viewing windows on Saturdays, and we've got this 40, 48 team breakaway, whatever. Like, how do you how do you put all those games on, and 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 do people still watch them? I think absolutely. The, the question is what what happens to the underbelly of the sport, and which has built like again all of college football's popularity and success. I would argue is built on the regionality and the pockets of fans that love their team. It's built on Iowa fans. It's built on Utah fans. Obviously, it's built on Ohio State and Alabama fans too. But but to make it truly national and truly successful and the way it's grown is everybody's obsessed with their product. And I don't know if, if the consolidation of all of this long-term, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what it does to all the other stuff that's so good about college football. Like if there's a 40 team breakaway right now, like let's say in the next five years, 
and 40 teams break away, like you're leaving behind 30 pretty good football programs that have played, like the two teams that played in the ACC championship game last year and the two teams that played in the Big 12 championship game last year with playoff implications, those four teams would not even be in this breakaway. Like, do we, is that good for the game long term? And I don't know that it is. Do you think the number is 40? Does it go to 48 potentially? Well, how do you see that, you know, over the next 10 years? I, I, I am hopeful that it's like 65. And I think that's what would be best for the game. I would predict like 44, 48. Like that would be my prediction. Um, and when they do, if and when they do break away, as Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletic director, has said, will happen sometime in the mid 30s, um, which is, by the way, just a strange sentence to say, the mid 30s. Um, I think, you know, he said it's coming. If that happens, then it's going to push Notre Dame into the Big Ten, which so the SEC is going to have vested interest in sort of holding off on the breakaway. Because as long as Notre Dame has a path to the playoff and, and its own television rights to negotiate, there's no reason for them to join the league, and that's good for the SEC. They, they don't want to give the other horse in a two-horse race an advantage. So I, I think there's a lot of factors at play here. Could we get to a third conference with 24 teams, maybe, and that gets us to 72 or something like that? that that's what I'm hopeful for, uh, because I do think just eliminating – you know, BYU, Utah, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, you know, like just eliminating all these teams, Kansas State, Iowa State, Oregon State, Arizona State, like Stanford, like eliminating all these teams from from the game is not good. Like I, that's not fun for me, you know, so I don't I, I hope it's a bigger number. I, I hope it's three conferences that are at 20 teams or maybe four at 18 or something along those lines and up around the 60-65 mark instead of down in the 40-45 mark, because I think that would be bad for the game. Brandon, could you see a, a, a scenario where the Big Ten finds its way into some of the South, right? So into Texas, let's say, and maybe there's buyer's remorse, remorse with the University of Houston or Texas maybe even saying, you know what, maybe I don't want to share the conference with A&M. Do you see any scenario where the Big Ten is able to get a Texas team? I, I don't know about Texas. Uh, if I was in charge of the Big Ten, I would be, and, and we know that every single school in the ACC is trying to get out of the ACC right now, uh, and we know that the SEC and the, and the Big Ten both want some somebody in Virginia and somebody in North Carolina. Th- those are the top two priorities right now for both conferences. But if I'm the Big Ten, you better believe I'm looking at Duke, I'm looking at Miami, I'm looking at Georgia Tech. They all are extremely high-level academic institutions, and they could be recruiting foothold sort of behind enemy lines. So I don't, you know, could you go in and get Baylor and TCU? Do those programs fit into the Big Ten? Maybe. Um, Are they big enough brands to command the state of Texas? Does it give you at least a recruiting foothold? Like, I think there's some thought process there. I mean, Oklahoma State's by far the best program left in the Big 12. Um, But are you going to go get them? You're certainly not, you know, Cincinnati doesn't do it for you because you already command the state of Ohio. Like, I I could see them trying Texas. I just think I would focus on 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 Florida first, the state of Florida and the state of North Carolina, and and maybe even if I can get into Georgia because those are equally as good of recruiting footholds as Texas, and and might be more easily acquirable and better brands. Like again, Miami is a bigger football entity than anything that that you can get out of Texas that's left over at least. Um, and so I don't know. I think that's a if I'm in if I'm in the Big Ten and I'm in charge. You better believe I'm exhausting every single option in the South, whether that's Texas or Florida. Hey, so last thing on expansion, what happens recruiting-wise to the Oregons of the world, to the Oklahoma States of the world, to the Baylor even of the world, if they're left out? What happened? I mean, 
Does it completely and, shrink? I know there's only so many starting positions out there, but you got to think the the five and four stars they're they're going to go in the Super League. Yeah, I think a lot of that depends on to, to your point. Like a lot of that depends on is there a third Super League or two other Super Leagues, and if there's a seventy team breakaway, then I think they're fine. And and again, name, image, and likeness doesn't just disappear. And you know, if Chip and Joanna just want to pay for as many recruits to go to Baylor as possible, like sure, maybe that maybe that that the money still talks, right? Like even if you're not playing. I mean, look at Jackson State, right? So I, I think in Oregon and Washington, I think we'll end up in the Big Ten because they think they're going to want a, a West Coast division, so to speak, with USC and UCLA. Maybe Stanford and Cal are, are a part of that conversation. Um, so I think it, some of it depends on who makes the cut. If, if it's a 48 or 50 team breakaway, you know, does that include Oklahoma State? I, I don't know. I don't think it would include Baylor and TCU. But can the Big 12 and the Pac-12 form a league that is interesting enough that people still watch and that there's fans of those programs that are still willing to to lure recruits? And, and certainly if you're Baylor and TC, you've got a heck of a recruiting base to, to pull from. Like you said, there's only so many spots. So I, I am curious how this all works. I think part of the reason Texas wanted to be in the SEC was it was just tired of losing recruiting battles to a to a logo. Like that's, that's, that's what was happening here was – yeah, there's financial stability. Yeah, there's a ton of money. Yeah, the SEC is the best league. But this is about not losing recruiting battles to teams in the SEC. Like that, that Texas had become an SEC recruiting state, and so you had to join them. You, you couldn't beat them. You had to join them. And I think that's as much about what, where, what this was for those two as it was for, for money. For USC and UCLA, it's, it's exclusively about financial stability and money. A UCLA's academics or athletic program is in bad financial shape. So – Texas was a different calculation to me. It was about we're recruiting a defensive lineman and he wants to play in the SEC. Well, he can't, no matter how much money we offer him, we can't, we can't offer him that. We need to be in the SEC. And that, that was it. I think part of it was, was just, we're, we're tired of losing. <laughs> so we, we want to recruit as an SEC power. And I think that helps them in a big way. For A&M, what's the, uh, how good do you think they're going to be this year? What's the biggest thing going for them? And the biggest question you have about them this year? Uh, pretty standard question, right? The, how good is the quarterback going to be? And if the quarterback situation works itself out, which I think is a, a very good quarterback room, especially relative to, let's say, week two of last season, I think you're in a much better situation. That's the only real question. I mean, I think, could we could we nitpick around the edges on replacing some guys on the defensive line or, or whatever? Sure, we could, we could talk about that. But I, I think 1-85, to 85, or maybe how about this, 2-85, to 85, there's not many teams in America that are better than A&M. And, and so I think we have them at five in the nation in our magazine. I think that can you ask Texas A&M to eliminate all of the things that happened like last year with four losses to teams you probably shouldn't have lost to? Uh, you know, that's the question. Can you be perfect with the question at quarterback? And again, by, by week three, there may not be a question at quarterback. So we've got to, you know, we've got that. That one will be decided for us pretty quickly, right out of the gate, before our eyes. If it's still a problem, then this, as I said, this conference is extraordinarily deep right now. Like, if Florida is the tenth best team in this league, that's a team you could lose to. Everybody could lose to that team. So, I just think the schedules are incredibly difficult for everybody. Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State. I think all these schedules are incredibly difficult. Tennessee, Kentucky. And all of them are pretty good. So A&M has the, the talent to be a top-five team, to, to, to push for a playoff spot if they go 11-1. and one. They also screw up from time to time, and the league and the schedules are very, very difficult. So I think 9-3, you 10-2 know, is probably more likely. I don't think that gets you in the playoff, obviously. 
but eleven and one is within reach, and if you can figure out the quarterback, eleven and one is sitting right there for you. And that's there's a chance that that's good enough to get you into the playoff conversation. Last thing for you, got about thirty seconds left. Tennessee, your Tennessee Vols, I should say, uh, how, how, are they taking another step this year? <laughs> I think they take a small step forward. I think the defense has major questions. I think the quarterback is excellent in Hendon Hooker, but you're asking him to be perfect, and now the SEC's got a year of tape on him. So I don't know. I, I think I think Tennessee fans are super excited. I'm a little bit more cautiously optimistic. They're certainly recruiting well. I think this is an 8-4 and four team, which would technically be a step forward, but I, don't, I think fans are, as usual in the SEC, fans tend to get a little over their skis. I think Tennessee fans need to, you know, that, that road trip to LSU is not a guaranteed win like I think fans think it is. So, um, I, I would go eight and four, maybe nine and three if things are perfect. But you're asking that Tennessee offense to be basically perfect, and I, I don't know if they can do that again. Brandon, we appreciate you, man. Hope to see you next week. Yeah, man, we'll be there. Talk to you. All right, man. See you, man. Brandon Gall on the BCSI Hotline. Appreciate his time. All right, we'll get some final thoughts here on uh, my Monday back here after being gone for a week. Uh, looking forward to uh, the whole week and then the SEC media days there in our roadshow brought to you by Wings and More. Right now we're talking Millican Reserve, farm-to-table community in College Station. You know about this community. It's great, right? It's right down the road here from Kyle Field. Get there, what, 10 minutes or so down Welburn. Uh, or you can take six as well. You've got uh, homes, you've got trails, you've got wide open spaces, you've got farms out there. And their mission is to build a healthy community around nature. And uh, I love me some nature, guys. I Hopefully you guys are enjoying the outdoors. Not for too long because it's like 105 out there. But uh, when you go out there, uh, you get to see the 2,600 acres of open space, the 30 miles of trails, the farms, the homes, you name it out there. And it extensive network of trails throughout a very wooded landscape it's a great place to just to go out and uh throw the ball hike um you can go hiking there you can go uh, biking canoeing kayaking they got the equestrian trails they got the evening yoga they got the summer camps the music festival to farmer market tours uh, it's a wonderful place to go uh and if you you know Buy a home out there, you know that your community is going to look the same 20, 30, 40 years down the road. It's just a beautiful place. Learn more at MillicanReserve.com. Again, that's MillicanReserve.com. Final segment of the program. Still haven't watched Top Gun, by the way. I've seen it last night over certain movie I saw. So bad. It is Texags Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We are here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Next week, we are off to the SEC Media Days. Can't wait. Uh, thanks to Wings and More for uh, providing you that road show. So a couple things we learned here on the program. Um, let's see. We learned that uh, none, none of us thought this before, but it's all going to come down to quarterback play. I'm telling you guys, I feel good about it. You should feel good about it, too. Competition, I think, brings the best out of people. Offensive line is going to be better. Um, and if it, all, if it all is about quarterback, now look. You could have a really good year and lose some games you shouldn't lose because the SEC is that stacked. But uh, A&M has graduated to a point to where I don't expect that to happen. Expect them to take care of business. But I'll really know more in here in a few weeks when they start practicing. When they start practicing, I can put my eyeballs on it. You know, I saw some stuff during spring ball, but like on a more consistent basis, I I, I know that we're going to learn a lot more. So uh, tomorrow on the program, what I can tell you is that Billy Lucci is going to be joining us here on the show. So we'll have Billy um, this week. We'll have him tomorrow. He'll be here at 10 a.m. tomorrow. We'll have a whole one with us as well. And uh, our thanks to our guests today on the program. Good stuff from OB. Really good stuff from Gary Blair there. Uh, number eight in the uh, moments of the year since I joined the top 12 moments of the year. Gary Blair's last season and what he, he means. 
Appreciate that. Uh, also, our thanks to Phil Steele and Braden Gall, who joined us. Talk all things football tomorrow. More of the same, getting us closer and closer to actual football. My thanks to uh, Tomas, Sam Kamen. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.